It is Wednesday, my dudes, and that means it is time for another episode of Codex Radio. As always, I am your host, Endless Odyssey. It is Wednesday, July 11th, 2018, and this is episode 27 and part 15 of our reading of Planescape Torment. Last time, as you may recall, uh, the Nameless One succeeded in outing Soego to Hargrim, uh, exposing him as both a were-rat and a cranium-rat spy, uh, to which Soego reacted very poorly uh, and transformed into a were-rat before our eyes, uh, shortly before being put down uh, by Hargrim. Uh, regrettably, Hargrim did not find our act of service to be sufficient in order to qualify to gain an audience to the Silent King, uh, so the Nameless One took matters into his own hands and sort of manipulated Stale Mary a bit, uh, who did eventually help us by revealing that there was a portal to the Silent King's throne room uh, located inside the Dead Nations. Uh, so the team teleported into the throne room to attempt to beseech the Silent King to let them go, only to find that the Silent King is indeed well and truly silent, as he appears to be nothing more than a rotting corpse, and appears to have been that way for some time. Uh, Hargrim and Mary did sort of cop to uh, this deception that they have been perpetuating for God knows how long, uh, but they fear revealing to the rest of the Dead Nations that the Silent King has in fact died uh, might prove disastrous for the tenuous peace between the, the three factions, and so they rule jointly in his stead. Uh, and in exchange for a vow of silence on the matter, uh, the Nameless One and Pals were allowed to leave the Dead Nations at last, so... Heading back into the catacombs, the search for Farad's bronze egg continued, and it was ultimately located, along with the decanter of endless water that Glyve spoke of uh, a few weeks back. Uh, having located all of the artifacts we intended to locate, it seemed like we were ready to uh, return to the surface, when suddenly the Nameless One was distracted by a strange gate and he felt compelled to explore further, despite Mort's protests. Uh, and that's where we pick up today. So, without further ado, I give you Part 15 of Planescape Torment. Chapter 38 The chill air of this chamber pricked my skin. It wasn't merely the way the massive crypt seemed to draw the heat from my flesh, sucking the warmth from my bones. Nor was it merely the blue tiles that cracked like ice under my step. It was something the soulless chill of things best left forgotten. Ancient secrets buried away because they were too grim or mad to behold. Across the way and through the arch was a central chamber with a blocky gray sarcophagus at its heart. This was a tomb. For who or what, I felt like I should have known. 
I gulped upon seeing the skeleton at the side of the entrance. Apparently, very few make it in very far. Each sound I made echoed through the vast chamber, rippling the air in razor-edge crescendos that signaled how utterly huge this place was. It was as if a worm had hollowed out a space in the core of Sigil itself and left it empty when it died. But most eerie of all was the giant rune gilded into the center of the floor in an unfamiliar silvery metal. It was the same rune that I bore on my shoulder, knife-edged and barbed inward and out as if it were pain betraying itself. The rune of torment. I explored the gallery, and with my careless steps, a bolt of blue light shot out from a corner, cracking against my shoulder and sending me spinning. Damn. The place was trapped. Well, it's not like the place could kill me. Could it? A sheet of leather hung from a wall, bat-winged as if it were freshly stripped from a body, head, arms, legs, and tail. The scratchy runes were a little faded with age, but the chill, dry air seemed to have preserved it over the ages. At last I have you. Never again will you torment me, for no mortal man can escape these walls. Seek the keys and embrace death with each that you find. Only then shall you be free. Well, that's reassuring. Intending to progress to the next room, I headed toward the passage down. Yet, foolishly, I had stepped onto the seal that was the symbol of my curse, the black mark I was fated to carry with me. So when it glowed, I stood stock still, paralyzed with the flash. The bolt of lightning cracked down through me like a white-hot whip, frying every muscle and nerve along my spine into a useless puddle of molten flesh. I collapsed, twitching a moment, before the darkness claimed me. Shifting, I groaned, arching my back to work the kinks out. The renewed flesh itched, and my nerves weren't in proper working order just yet. My whole body was numb, and my movements were clumsy, but with a few minutes rest, the paralysis faded and I stumbled to my feet. Best not to do that again. Circling around the rune, I continued down the passage. A simple, straightforward process to get to the next godforsaken room, so imagine my confusion when the air rippled in front of me. There was no chance to step back, no warning when reality about me seemed to tug at my being and tear me away. I cried out in shock as space itself twisted around me and I was drawn unwillingly into a portal, and out of it into another side chamber. There was only one thing of interest here, the grim sarcophagus of grey stone and copper finishing. Even if each side was a foot thick, it was still huge enough to fit two or three bodies within. Barring the Silent King's sanction against grave robbing, part of me didn't relish the thought of cracking open the seals and exposing whatever monstrosity lay within. By now, however, I was getting over the mortal squeamishness towards pain and death. Looking around, I was surrounded by bleak cobbled walls, the only path no doubt another portal. Seek the keys and embrace death with each that you find. Only then shall you be free. I pushed the coffin lid aside. Though thick and heavy, it was lighter than I expected. While I strained and sweated, grunting with each shove, the lid steadily moved aside when I threw my weight against it. Stone scraped against stone, and by the time I was left resting at the base of the sarcophagus, panting with exhaustion, there was a space wide enough for me to fit an arm through. 
Biting my lip, I slid my hand into the darkness. To my surprise, I reached down all the way to meet bare stone. Groping around a little further, I still felt only empty air. I stood up on my toes, leaning further in to explore deeper. Finally, my fingers bumped against a slim bar of metal, and my fingers curled around it. Pulling it from the stone sarcophagus, it looked like a key, but without door or lock in sight, I couldn't find much utility for it. I sighed. I suppose I would have to trust the inscription. If no mortal man could escape, then my immortality must be the way out. I stepped onto the seal. As expected, the lightning shot through my body, searing through flesh and bones so that I felt as if I were being split in half. Yet when I twitched back to wakefulness, I found myself still sprawled over the seal. I was only half dead from the blow, but the agony was unbearable. The smoky smell of my own burnt flesh swirled among the tendrils of smoke, savory enough to make my own mouth water, acrid enough that it made my eyes well up with tears. The foamy bile met my lips before the wave of nausea hit a split second later, and I choked as every nerve along my body burst as if they were afire. Almost fully paralyzed, I couldn't crawl off the seal. Instead, I slapped the silver-gilded seal weakly, crying out in a hoarse voice, "'Take me!' I croaked. Take me! And mercifully, the powers above granted my plea and ended my suffering. When I came to, I was at the entrance once again. In my hand, I still gripped the key. Bits of my burnt flesh had been welded to the metal surface. I rolled it over in my hand as I shook off the residual lightheaded feeling of my previous death. The key seemed vaguely familiar somehow. As I held it, I suddenly knew its purpose. Like the keys of Sigil's portals, this would allow me to teleport to one of the other inner chambers of the tomb, but only if used at the entrance corridor. And the only way to return to the entrance was by the trapped seals. I shelved away the question of how the damned thing worked. Dimensional lightning? Imps that dragged my corpse back to the entrance? Who knew? All I needed right now was to get into the tomb. I circled around the seal and stepped through the portal. Once again, I was teleported into another room. The key had worked, altering the path of the portal so that I wound up in a new chamber. I got to work quick. Throwing my weight against the sarcophagus there, I sweated, grunted, and urged the lid aside so that I could reach the second key. I was thankful for the respite of my death, though tired as I was by the time I plucked the key from the lightless depths, I was not too eager for another. I sighed and stepped away from the sarcophagus. Well, we all have to sleep sometime. It was a mercifully clean death, in that my eyeballs weren't bursting with vitreous humors melting from my sockets. The ache along my spine stiffened my back, and the migraine led me to feel along my head to check if the blast had cracked my skull. I sat up and stumbled around the seal. Each progressive death in such quick succession left me feeling drained whether it was my body meeting its limit or the mental fatigue of the task. I passed through the portal once more, entering what I hoped would be the final room. Another bout of pushing and grunting, and the lid edged aside. I sat next to the sarcophagus, wondering what Dakon and Mort were doing now. They were a mismatch if I ever saw one, and in all honesty, to my memory, I hadn't. How long had I been down here, and how long had I left them waiting? Mort would be zipping around Dakon, trying to pester him with one of his well-honed insults as the gif meditated. 
Well, the sooner I got this over with, the sooner I could rescue them from each other. I scrounged the key from the sarcophagus and trudged into the seal and into my fate. Spreading my arms like a hawk about to take flight, I embraced the spear of light as it sliced through my body. I stumbled weakly toward the entrance. Tendrils of smoke curled from my flesh, the only hint of warmth in this cold tomb. My limbs were rubbery, my muscles were weak. The strength was flowing back into my body in a sluggish trickle, and the keys clinked in my loose grip. I almost didn't notice that I had passed through the arch without being teleported once again. Collapsing on my back, I began to laugh. Victory was mine, and I was too weak to fully claim it. The chuckles echoed cold and hollow against the walls, taunting me in yet another bitter twist of irony. Eventually, the nausea trickled away, and the weakness crumbled from my body. My stomach began to growl, and I thought back to the last time I had food. A half-cooked cranium rat, and a crust of bread that could have been used to cobble the floors. Softening the damn thing in mildewed water had improved it little. Strange how you suddenly think of the little things when you're inches from your greatest goal. I stood over the grand sarcophagus. The worksmanship was rigid and alien, and gripped with multiple bronze fingers. There was no moisture to tarnish the metal, but mere age had begun to turn the edges green. The slab covering it was carved with a rigid utilitarian pattern, and the pedestal the whole thing rested on was inlaid with more bronze and gray-brown stone. I strained trying to open the sarcophagus lid, but my efforts were in vain. It was locked firmly in place. With a sigh, I leaned against the slab momentarily, when a thought struck me. I leapt to my feet. The runes of torment. The strange feeling that I knew this place and its workings. I knew. This was my own tomb, built by my own hand. I looked around. Hung along the walls were slabs of stone, white underneath, but rust-stained as if they were ancient blood-soaked shrouds. The inscriptions were written in a style identical to my own hand, but the words were foreign. The runes inscribed were calm and determined in some places, frantically scrawled in others, like the words of a madman who knew not who he was and whose moods were as mercurial as his memories. Was this my original journal? I began to read. There is nothing that can be done. Memories are gone, perhaps never to return. With every death, I lose part of me. How can one be immortal and still die? He told me that my mind is weakening with every death. I asked him how this could be, but he could not answer. He was of no use. I butchered him so that no other incarnation would ever benefit from his uselessness. I ran my hand over the inscription. The runes were mine, but the brutality behind the words wasn't in my own heart. Who was I? Who am I? Upon closer inspection, though, I believed the panel could recess into the wall. I pushed it, and the panel glided into the wall. A click emanated from the sarcophagus behind me. I have lost lifetimes because of my killer. I cannot deceive him, so I must kill him. I tried to throw him off the scent. I left false bodies, tailored in such a way to placate him. I roamed the most outer planes, hoping to use distance as a shield. 
I built this tomb filled with traps to try and kill the killer. I hid. All I bought was time. The attacks inevitably begin again, with more fury than before. Deceptions are useless. Somehow the killer always knows that I live, and no matter where on the plains I hide, he finds me, eventually. Another inscription, another panel. It slid smoothly into the wall. Click. So they said, You have been divided. You are one of many men. You bear many names, and each has left their scars on your flesh. Lost one, immortal one, incarnation's end, man of a thousand deaths, the one doomed to life, restless one, one of many, the one whom life holds prisoner, the bringer of shadows, the wounded one, misery bringer, Yemeth. I grow weary. Click. Fear names. Names have power in identity. Others can use names as weapons. Names are a hook that can be used to track you across the plains. Remain nameless, and you shall be safe. I am the Nameless One. The panel was beautifully constructed, and slid without a whisper of sound, save for the lock opening on the sarcophagus behind me. Click. What little life there is in this world is draining out this hole in my body. The world can burn, the plains can burn, just give me life. I will destroy this life so badly, break it, smash it, stain it in blood and feces so you cannot live it either. Let all creation burn, for I cannot die. I push the panel. Click. It is extremely important to record your journeys so that you might learn from them. The greater need, however, is that the sources of information you use to uncover this mystery need to be protected when they are found. If key figures, documents, or oracles are somehow removed, either by death or destruction, then you will never know who or what you are, or how you came to be this way. The craftsmanship of this panel was exquisite, and set with the precision that only a master could achieve. Click. I suspect that we will continue to die, and be reborn, until we finally get our life right. I do not know what we have to do to bring that about, though, and therein lies the frustration. Is it some sort of karmic cycle? As I gather, some incarnations have committed terrible crimes, but there have been a number of incarnations where we have labored to do nothing but good. Are these incarnations intended as punishment? I don't know. And that is the only real truth I can offer in these carvings. I do not know. At what point does the I get separated from the we? At what point am I freed of the shackles of the actions of these other incarnations? And at what point am I allowed to be me, without the weight of these past lives? Click. The final inscription looked like the directions on my back that Mort read to me in the mortuary. While I thought I gleaned all I needed to know, I looked over it to refresh my memory. Perhaps more could be gleaned from a direct reading. I know you feel like you've been drinking a few kegs of Styx wash, but you need to center yourself. Among your possessions is a journal that'll shed some light on the dark of the matter. Farad can fill you in on the rest of the chant if he's not in the dead book already. Don't lose the journal, or we'll be up the sticks again. And whatever you do, do not tell anyone who you are or what happens to you, or they'll put you on a quick pilgrimage to the crematorium. Do what I tell you. Read the journal, then find Farad. To my surprise, there was one more line. 
one that Mort didn't read to me in the mortuary. Don't trust the skull. I stood, my head spinning, made worse by the residual headache from so many deaths. Hey, Chief, you okay? You playing corpse or you putting the blinds on the dusties? I thought you were a debtor for sure. Eh, I don't trust the gith. We should leave him behind. What's eating you, Chief? You and me, Chief. You and me. Reaching around, I ran a finger along my back where the inscription probably was. I had to fight down the sudden urge to take a dagger and slice off my skin in sheets so I could see for myself. In my fury and confusion, I snarled, punching the panel so that it withdrew. Click. I had more important things to focus on, I thought. I could deal with such problems later. For now, I needed to focus on what was in front of me. I needed to see what it was that I had to die three times for. Don't trust the skull. The sarcophagus lid slid open with ease, unlike the others. I discovered only a single key lying within. No body, nothing of worth. Well, that's damn disappointing. I grumbled as I snatched it up. Walking through the arch once again, I wasn't surprised when the key thrummed in my hand and I was warped to one final chamber. A large square chest stood in the center of the small room, and opening it I finally found a worthy stash of goods, no doubt sequestered here by a past incarnation, waiting for a new one who needed these tools. Finally, I happily helped myself. When I was done looting, a final portal opened up. Deep down, I knew this would take me back to the catacombs where Mort and Dakon were hopefully still waiting. I would come back richer in supplies, seared with a few new scars and troubled by the dark revelations of my tomb. Dakon turned as I approached, his eyes like polished coal. It was known to me that you would return. Is it your will that our two paths become one? Yes, I need your aid, Dakon. Hopefully I didn't keep you guys waiting too long. He shook his head. Your path is mine. Mort chirped, glad to see me again. Whew! I was worried, but I knew you'd be back, Chief. Finally realized you needed me, huh? Yeah. Let's go. I tell you, Chief, I'm not letting you go this alone anymore. I mean, let's be honest. Without a member like me around to give you the darker things, you would have been dead ten times over. I'll be hanging around until you learn to live off the apron strings, but until then, we're skull to skill. Bestest buddies we are, Mort and, well, we'll call you something eventually. After all, big scary place like this, it's just about impossible to find real friends. Chapter 39 I left the Dead Nations happily, eager to taste the foul air of Sigil once again. At the portal, however, I passed by that corpse once again. The sandy-haired collector was covered with nasty bites, and still the dead man's neck writhed as if it were trying to twist itself off his body. He spoke with an effort, but thanks to the story's bones tell that I had learned from Stale Mary, I could understand him with perfect clarity. Hey, I'm Chad. Need your help. I squatted next to him. What's wrong with you? See, this neck. It was stretching like taffy and contracting. Damn Vargoyle bit me. I'm dead and 
I need to hold my head on if I don't want to be one of those damnable things. You gotta kill the Vargoyle down the passage. All of them. To save me from that. I nodded. I had worried about this very fate the first time I learned of the Vargoyle's terrible bite. You got it. In return, I'll give you directions to a powerful magical item. Deadside tells me you might need it. What is it? Find it and then I tell you. Not before. I had faced hordes of the things already, fought giant sewer lizards in the dank tunnels of the drowned nations. I had been threatened by slavering ghouls and hacked apart a were-rat in these tunnels. Slaying a small swarm of vargoyles was a simple affair. They were little more than flying rats to me now. When I returned, I noticed Chad's neck was better. It no longer bulged out as if it wanted to separate from the torso. Thanks, friend. At least now I know I ain't gonna be a vargoyle for eternity. You want your reward now? Tell me. All right, here's what it is. There's a reason the drowned nations are called that. There's a magic bottle that never stops its flow. A decanter, hidden in the drowned nation catacombs. You get that? You got all the fresh water you'll ever need. You mean this one? I pulled it from my pack, holding it before his dead, motionless eyes. Oh, oh cripes. I'm sorry, I can't offer you anything else to thank you. Wait, someone down here might know how to get the command word. A guy by the name of... Glive? Face in the wall, speaks like he's got a mouthful of molasses. Powers above, I feel so useless. I shook my head. No, I, I needed to be reminded that I still have a few things to do here. Thanks, Chad. Rest in peace. With that, I felt his spirit fade, passing into the plains beyond. If I had to, I could always drag up the memories from his bones, but there was no need for that now. Things to do here? Unless there's a mammy bar and about ten other ways to fulfill my eleven-plus vices, we're getting the friggin' hell out of Sigil's arsehole. We have some obligations, Mort. Such as revenge against a certain Vargoyle swarm that had killed me earlier. By now, the population must have been decimated. Those few scattered pests would have had to kill a lot more buried villagers to become a real threat again. Hopefully I could warn those vultures away by telling them that the dead nations protected these warrens. I sifted through the scattered bones of the dozens of adventurers that must have been slain here. Most of their goods were damaged, but an exquisite pair of punch daggers still looked good. I returned to Glive. Glive spoke in that slow rumble, like stone scraping against stone. Have you found the flask of which I spoke? Yes. A note of eagerness crept into Glive's dead voice. You have it. Pour some of its water across my lips, and I shall tell you what I promised to tell you. Here you go. The clear water from the flask trickled across the stone lips, diluting the filthy flow that spewed from the holes. As we watched, the ditch's water slowly dissipated entirely, the dirty taint of it replaced by clear, fresh water. Glive groaned in ecstasy. After a moment, he spoke. 
My thanks, nameless one. In gratitude, I gift you with the knowledge that will allow you to harness the full power of the decanter. His voice began to fade even as he spoke. Seek out the woman called Namel. She resides in the clerk ward in Upper Sigil. I know not where exactly. Best of luck in your quest, immortal. Thanks, Clive. Go to your rightful rest. The stone face was silent. A trickle of clear water ran from the corner of its eye, and the grimace carved into the face had loosened. Another soul freed from its torment. You know, boss, I was getting really sick of his constant pauses. Anyway, it's a good thing he shut up now. Very funny, Mort. Let's go. I wasn't expecting any fanfare when I returned, and indeed I wasn't disappointed. When I came to the gate, that huge hulking thug was still standing guard, face creased into an ugly grimace. The guard straightened up. You got what Farid's wantin', Burke? Yes. Show it to me, Burke, and I'll raise the gate. But not until, right? I glanced him over, suspicious of his intentions. I bled and died and starved for this orb, and I wasn't going to let someone else take it. It's for Farid's eyes only. The thug barked a laugh. Then you ain't getting in! A muscle in my cheek twitched, but I tried to stay calm. On the other hand, I do have something you might be interested in. He raised an eyebrow. Yeah? What might that be? Jink. How's 25 coppers sound? You're getting warm, Burke, but you ain't there yet. I sighed. All right. How's 50 sound? A smile wreathed his ugly face. That's good enough. Pass it through and I'll open the gate. I pulled out a fistful of coins, giving a rough count before tucking them in a rag and tying it off quickly with some leftover thread. I held out the small satchel, offering it just past the gate. Grab it and it's yours. He reached through the gate for the coins I held out. In a swift motion, I deftly pinned his arm back against the gate and wrenched it. The guard screamed in agony as his arm creaked in its socket. Twisting it further, the muscle and sinew strained on the edge of tearing. Ah! He squealed like a piglet. Get off! Please! I let him go. Now let me in, or I'll tear you to pieces. We'll have no more of your games. I'm tired, aching, and I haven't had a hot meal in days. And I'll be damned if I'm going to let a flimsy iron gate and a grave-robbing rat get in my way. He hastened to open the gate before I made good on the threat and stood far out of my reach as I passed through the gate. Learned our lesson, have we? Let's see a little more respect next time. Farewell. The other guards looked at me with mingled fear and loathing, but... They readily gave me a wide berth. No one met my eye as I passed by. I gave him a friendly wave as I left them. Top of the morning, lads! Keeping my pack close to me, I led the way to Farad's throne room. I had gone through too much to lose it to a cut purse now. I licked my lips. Farad had answers for me. I could taste it. Ah, corpse! Farad turned as I approached, his crutch clacking on the cobbles of the court. He licked his lips and smiled expectantly. Have you brought me what I asked for? I held it out. 
The surface curdled under my fingertips, and the nauseating stench led me to hold it at arm's length. Here it is. The bronze sphere. Farid's eyes gleamed as I handed it over. He touched it gingerly, almost reverently. How Farid could bear to show this sort of affection to such a vile thing was beyond me. Then again, maggots did breed best in rotting flesh. You, he chuckled. Ah, corpse, such a gamble you were, and paid off handsomely you have. Farid studied his reflection in the sphere and tisked. The years have been cruel to me, I see. I did what you asked, Farid. Now I want some answers. Farid didn't even look at me as I spoke. His attention was swallowed by the sphere he held. Yes, yes, ask your questions. Farid turned the sphere in his hand. Very important, your questions. What do you know about me? Why was I told to seek you out? Farid studied me with a critical eye. Stay your weapons for what I'm about to say, corpse, for it could be your ears that'll take offense. Farid smiled wickedly. My ears no longer care, but yours are still fresh for the burning, it seems. I placed my hand across my chest. You have my word that I'll stay my hand, Farid. I swear it. But I need to know what you know. The truth. Farid's tone softened as if cajoling. The truth was stretched a bit from my mind to my tongue when we first spoke, corpse. In all terrible honesty, I know little about you. He raised a withered finger. Yet, hear me out. Yes? You're a cutter who plays at being dead, as I see. Farid squinted at me. Some time ago you came to me, like you are now, but not. Just strolled right into Ilwyn Court and said you wanted an audience with me. An audience with you? Aye, an audience. Farid chuckled like whispering sand. Like I was royalty. He seemed amused, but there was an edge in his voice. You knew the right things to say you did, oh yes. You spoke the chant like a governor, born and true. And I listened. But you were royalty. At least a man of position. Once, were you not? Requin's tale was still fresh in my mind. Once. Farad hissed. Once. Titles, only words. Nothing in the end. He lapsed into silence, then tisked. Knew that too, my history. I think you did. What did he, I, want from you? Farad gave a mock bow, his crutch creaking as he leaned against it. Oh, Farad, great collector king, you says. I have come before you to request a boon. A boon, I says. What could I offer such a man of obvious strength? Farad wagged his crooked finger. And you asked for a strange thing. You says, Lord Farad, I ask for courtesy. Your collectors roam throughout the hive. If they should find my body, I want it kept safe. That's all I ask. Farad shrugs. A simple boon. I tried to urge him to continue, but before I could speak... I suddenly felt a prickling in my skull as Farad spoke the word boon, and the smell of blood and fear rushed through my nostrils. Farad was hiding something, something that happened in the past involving me, and it scared him. The boon he granted was no simple matter. So, you granted my boon just like that? There's nothing to be gained from it for you. Why did you even agree to do it? I asked suspiciously. 
Farad fell silent for a moment. A dead man can keep no promises, and promises to a dead man are easy enough to make, corpse. You're a merchant, Farad, not a Samaritan. There must have been another reason. The memory burned as it returned in white-hot prickles, searing as it ate its way forward into my consciousness. Soon, though, it cooled, icy with the rigid calm I felt just then. The stench of the hive burned at my nostrils. A hand was curled around my sheathed dagger, and a cold sweat had made the handle slick. The thug chuckled. An audience with Farid? Did Sharegrave send you? No, I said simply. I'm beginning to lose my patience, Street Vulture. Where do I find Farid? The Collector King don't see outsiders, Burke. He grinned, revealing two rows of moldy yellow-green teeth. But I do think he'll be liking that purse of yours. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed the thugs moving. Ten, no, twenty of them. The hivers could smell the sharp tang of danger, and down the streets, window shutters snapped and doors slammed, finishing with a chorus of clinkling as deadbolts slid home. I grumbled. It was a sad day when I'd have to waste my energy on these rats. Ah, well. Might as well have a little fun. Swinging an arm back, I gripped the neck of the thug that was maneuvering in to backstab me, the other hand snatching his wrist before he could slide the blade somewhere soft. His eyes bulged, and he struggled as I whispered a single word of power in his ear. Insects. I could feel the blood trickling from his nostrils, pouring from his lips and eyes and wetting my fingers as he collapsed, his insides liquefying as he was eaten from the inside out. His body convulsed, thrashing as a wet, bubbling scream gurgled from his lips. By the time he was twitching in his death throes, the centipedes were writhing free from under his eyelids, ants swarming from his ears and spiders crawling from his lips, gleefully carrying bits of his tongue in their mandibles. But Barrack, A mage! Quick! Another thug screamed. Grab his wrists! Cover his mouth! They weren't as stupid as I imagined. Showing their backs would have meant certain death. If they could reach me and pin me to the ground with manacles and gags, they might have had a chance. But I make my own rules. Cracking my fists together, a wave of air and force battered the nearest thugs backwards, knocking them to the ground. I waved my hands, and one by one I plucked each of them up as if by invisible telekinetic hooks. One I threw into the wall of an abandoned building, and his body slid halfway into the stone before it solidified again. Stone and flesh melding into a conglomerate that left his guts ossified. His screams were short and choked off, and he died slowly as his organs began to fail, half-merged into the brick as they were. Another I speared mercifully with arrows of glass, leaving him dangling and still from the brick wall. A third I entrapped in a prison of crushing salt. He died in an instant. I made a game of it practicing my hand-eye coordination by juggling between the ones that tried to attack and the ones that tried to take flight, seeing how many I could kill and how creatively. Their screams of terror were silenced one after the other in ripples of chaos and razor-edged blades of law. They fell with missiles of ash, weaves of pure light, 
and coils of metal that wound around bodies and limbs and tightened until they were sliced into medallions of flesh and bone. The streets were drenched with blood, and the scattered limbs of the thugs still twitched as I walked calmly toward the last one standing, facing me only because he was paralyzed with terror. It was the one who first mouthed me off, the one with that mildewed grin. With a shriek, he tried to flee, stumbling over the bodies and slipping on the blood of his allies. I was glad I left one alive. With a flick of a finger, he was dragged into the air, limbs flailing as I gestured, pressing him stock still against a nearby wall. I'm not in a good mood today, I whispered, reaching out to grasp one wrist. The skin immediately blackened under my touch, bubbling over in hideous boils as a pox began to take his flesh. It distended in angry green spheres, the rot eating away at his flesh so quickly that by the time the flesh slewed from the bone there was no blood left, only pus beating white and hot from his veins. He shrieked. Oh, how he shrieked. I sighed. Art always came at the cost of precious practicality. Look, this wouldn't have happened if you hadn't attacked me, I chided, and with a flick of my finger the last bones of his arms crumbled away. Now, you have three more chances to answer me. How do I find Farid? He blubbered, sobbing, and was in the process of soiling himself if the warm stink that arose was any indication. He calmed down by the time I was about to grasp his other arm. Farid! Ragpicker Square, building to the north, portal. A fistful of junk is the key, he wailed. I nodded. Thank you. And with that, I turned and left. Someone else can take him down. I had a collector king to greet. I passed by a dabas as I headed to the northwest part of the hive. It cocked its head in disapproval, frowning at the sight of the carnage. The lady didn't like this sort of thing in her city, but everyone had the right to protect themselves. I was just lucky there were no harmonium guards around to make things even more complicated. Sorry about the mess, I said politely to the Davis. It never hurt to show a little respect to the servants of the ruler of Sigil. The Davis shook its head, rolled up his sleeves, and began to clean. I reeled as the memory leaked away. The residue of that cold, analytical cruelty like a dagger sliding from a wound. Farad was fuming, not noticing my sudden fugue. Aye. His face suddenly peeled back in fury, his skin flushing red. After he had strung up a score of my blood on the hive walls to die, I had enough reason to promise you the planes themselves. Then your butchering comes to my home, my kip, to demand a boon of me. Farad calms himself, though his face is still flushed. Aye, I agreed. The man was hunched over his cane, his face fish-belly pale as he watched his bodyguard float in the air, rolling over in a smooth circle as he whimpered in terror. Farad, I know you're debating on whether you should send your thugs at me. Spill some of my blood in revenge. Right now you're sizing me up and seeing whether you should take the chance. The thug whined as I bent him over backwards. Help me, please, uncle. But please believe me when I say I didn't take pleasure at the deaths of your men. I just hate wasting time, and that was the quickest solution. 
as is this. Stop! The man moaned as Farad watched, mouth agape. How about I just demonstrate my power on this one man? Show you how serious I am, and how I can sunder your entire court if I have to. It'd save us both a great deal of time, resources, and yammering, wouldn't you say? Enough! Enough, you white, I agree! Please, I agree! It wasn't the fear for the lives of his men that made Farad agree, nor was it simple, pure reason. I knew the look in his eyes well, as I'd seen it many times in the eyes of men who betrayed their companions. From prisoners who killed their cellmates for food, they had squirreled away. Farad only agreed, because he was afraid of what I might do to him. It suited my purposes just fine. The thug dropped to the floor in a clank of armor and scurried away. Thank you, your highness, I bowed politely. I'm sure you'll find my terms most agreeable. I swallowed hard, shaking the rest of the memory off. I'm... I'm sorry about your people, Farid. That wasn't me. But if I can make the loss up to you, I will. Farid tissed. No matter. Their bodies serve me well enough. The Dusties pay the same for fresh debtors as for old. How long ago did I first meet him? Ten years? Twenty? Strange how the most horrific acts can cool in such a short time. What sympathy I did have was bleeding away if he treated his companion so callously. Was that the only reason you agreed to my request? You knew some things about me. Things only I knew. You knew I was greedy for something beneath sigil, and you put a name and picture to it. The Bronze Sphere, you said. I didn't think you would fetch it for me, he chuckled. Yet, did you? Aye. The planes turn in strange ways. And that's all you know? All I know? Nay, but it's all I know about you, corpse. Fine. Next question. What did you take off my body after I died? I? Farad licked his lips. Why, I took nothing, corpse. His face split in a grin. Then, I wasn't the one that found your body. Who did? Farad's smile widened, pulling the pasty folds of flesh back from his face like a curtain. My daughter, the rose of my eye, the sweetest of my family, and the sharpest wit of them all. He licked his dry lips and sighed in mock sadness. Such a cruel tongue on her. Your daughter? Who? My darling girl Anna. She found you, dead as a debtor can be, in a place where most collectors wouldn't go for a mountain of coppers. Could be she plucked something off you. Could be not. He leaned in, shaking his head. You'll have to ask her, for it's not a doll's place to say. Something about him pricked at me. Don't lie to me, Farid. You're a merchant, and you always take a cut from your workers. What did Anna give you for my body? Ah, yes, my tribute. Farid folded his withered hands over his crutch, almost protectively. There's no telling what was from you and not, corpse. Most like there was nothing. As much as my past incarnation had done him ill, the man was rubbing me the wrong way. I needed the elements of my past if I was to piece anything together, and here was this vulture hanging on to my possessions as little more than trinkets. Farid, my patience is at an end. If you don't hand over what was stolen from me, I will see to it the dustmen know where to find you. 
Farad was silent for a moment. He tapped his fingers against his crutch, slowly. Well? Where is the decency a man gone? Farad grumbled, shaking his head. A courtesy I am doing for you, corpse. Such a courtesy. Farad parting with anything. It'll be the dead book for me if anyone heard. Wait here. Move not a yard. I shall return. He slunk off into the shadows behind his throne. Huh. Wonder where he's going. After a long while, Farad returned, his crutch clacking against the flagstones. In his hands, he held a number of items, which he passed off to me. You will be silent on this and accept the blessing that I even remembered. My eyebrow twitched. He really was a vile creature. A few hundred coppers, a scrap of paper, and a ring? Very well. Now I'd like to speak to this Anna. Where is she? Where's Anna? Farad shrugged. She's hiding in the shadows here, I expect. Listening to us trade the chant. I called for her after you went below. Had to ask her if you really were in the dead book when she found you or not. He chuckled dryly, then took a deep breath and called out to the darkness. Anna! Stop mithering in those shadows and come and greet our guest. She's here? There was movement in the shadows of the chamber. The almost playful flicking of a long pearly tail caught my eye, and with that I could pick out the vague outline of a woman pressing against the wall, hidden and motionless in a sliver of darkness. I didn't hear her enter the chamber, even in the piecemeal armor that all the rogues here patched together. Her right arm was covered with a series of interlocking plates that looked as if they were taken from the skin of some creature, and a horned shoulder piece protected her left arm. She stepped from the shadows. The sway in her walk and the sharp way she moved her shoulders betrayed her sass and vinegar. Her hair was the ember-red glow of a fire flicking with stubborn life, and her eyes were as piercing as the daggers tucked in her belt. Her leather armor left little to the imagination, and while she was lithe with cat-like grace, she was as milk-skinned as any noble, with an ample bosom that she carried well. Whoa, guess there are mams down here after all, Mort gawked. Ugh, what now? I recognized that thick, curling brogue, the sharp sneer of those black-red lips. I gawked. You're Anna? I met you in the hive, outside the mortuary. You pointed me down an alley that was swarming with thugs. The girl ignored me and turned to Farid. What's this about, then? I'm not playing the leash pool with this scarred dog, so I'm not. Get one of your other gullies to do it. Do you know how many stab wounds I took? Anna, rose of my eye, have I not taught you to respect the dead? A thin smile warmed across Farid's face, and he made a slight bow towards me. This resourceful corpse needs to know where you found him. Eh? What are you on about? She squinted at me. He's not a debtor. Ah, yes, my mistake. Farid nodded, then his voice dropped dangerously. Yet, my darling Anna, that still makes it your mistake, for this one only had one foot in the dead book when you brought him to me. He tapped his crutch against the flagstones with a light tap. He woke up, sought me out. Most embarrassing. So? Anna glanced at me, then shrugged. He shouldn't be playing deader on the hive while I'm about, or he'll wake up in a dusty's arms he will. A muscle at the corner of my eye twitched as they talked over me. 
Maybe you could have checked to see if I was still alive before dumping me off there, I growled. Oh, I, and maybe you should have been more careful, and, and maybe you wouldn't have been lying face down in stone steel on the alley cobbles like a debtor, I. I worked my jaw, trying to knead out the frustration. Waving my hands, I dismissed it. Anger never solved anything. Enough of this. Where did you find my body? Show him where you found his body, Anna. Farid tapped his crutch again for emphasis. Take him to the haunted alley. Farid studied Anna for a moment, then grinned and turned to me. If you happen to lose my darling Anna on the way to the alley, corpse, you come back and see Farid. I'll guide you. Chh. Anna sneered at Farid, then threw a glance at me. Come on, then. And keep your steps quick, Jig. I've little time to waste on the likes of you. I shook my head. Not just yet. The three of us have been pissing around in the catacombs for days, and we're exhausted. We need to get a little respite and sigil for a few days before we go anywhere as dangerous as you describe. Her tongue snapped, sharp as the bladed tip of a whip. Oh, I. Well, then, you can sniff out your own grave on your own, Egypt. I'm not wi- Anna. Farid's voice was quiet, but it cut through the girl's speech like a knife. Be his minder. See that he comes to no harm while in the village. Then guide him to where he wishes to go. Anna spat on the ground. A pox on you both. That's what I was thinking. Now, let's go, I said with a grumble. This smelled like trouble. I could tell. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Codex Radio. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Uh, as always, if you have any feedback about the show, we'd love to hear it. Uh, you can tweet at me. I'm at Endless underscore Odyssey on Twitter. Or you can tweet at the show's account, which is at Codex underscore Radio. And please, send us your fan letters to CodexPodcast at MyriadTrues.com and consider giving us a, a rating on wherever you get your podcasts from so that new listeners can find the show. That's all we've got for you this week. I'll see you next time.